It's called a podcast, sweetheart. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Like, I don't... No points against you for that one, because I don't, I don't know what else you would do. So, you know, great work. Let's just fucking get this over with. Yeah. Welcome to the Disney <laughs> Desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And welcome to a sort of episode of Sydney's Never Seen. Yes, today we are talking about the 2016 film Zootopia. Yes, and, and incidentally enough, I have never seen it. <laughs> yes, um, I have seen it a couple times, um, sort of incidentally. I did not see it when it initially came out. And I know usually for the Never Seen series, we try to do something we're really passionate about. You know, we really, really love. Right. Like something, because it's like, it's fun to have a series that kind of, because you always have those things, right? That you want your friends to watch and you breathlessly recount them. Uh, yeah. For me growing up, that was Scott Pilgrim. And now my friends have finally yeah. seen Scott Pilgrim and they're like, oh, that's good. And I'm like, yeah, I told I you. I vividly 10 remember years ago. Your, your Scott Pilgrim days. Yeah. Um, this is not one of those, ladies and germs. No, it's only a coincidence that I've never seen it. We, <laughs> like, this episode is going to be a diss track. Yeah, it's. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. But so basically, you know, we I feel like we spent so much stock on the 12 days of Podmas. I really had trouble brainstorming episode ideas for this month. Mm-hmm. And something I really wanted to do is kind of more investigative ones. Have like big questions that need solving. Less reviews and more like debates. Right. And something I wanted to come back to for a while was back in November... Um, they released a series of shorts called Zootopia Plus, um, set in the world of Zootopia. And it really struck me because I think we forget how huge Zootopia was. When it was released, it was the biggest box office opening in Disney history. It's only been passed by Frozen 2. It is still in the top three for both domestic and worldwide. It won Best Animated Feature over Moana, and... (laughs) I really think it's an interesting cultural thing that, like, Zootopia has only become sort of, I wouldn't say hated, but the the shine has kind of come off. Right. The patina. Whereas Moana is the one that everyone now is like, Moana, yeah, that's like top tier Disney. Yeah, you know, before, like, well, I guess that's part of the reason I had never seen it. It was because I was, like, a hardcore Moana fan at the time. Still am. Mm -hmm. Um... So I was real married to that one and could not even acknowledge any other <laughs> any other films at the time. But I did understand that it was popular, that that people and kids really loved it, mm-hmm. and that like I the 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 title song or whatever it is, the Try Everything song by Shakira, the celebrity guest. I mean, um, back when back when I was teaching dance, like. I had this like Disney playlist that happened to have that song on it and the kids used to go absolutely ballistic when that song would come on. So I had this like, yeah. So, so that was all my understanding of Zootopia was that like kids go rabid over it. Right. Which is ironic. Which is super ironic. (laughs) 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 That's the best you're getting from us today, people. This is, um, well, (laughs) 
Yeah, and basically, I wanted to show you this, and I want, because you have fresh eyes. Like, I kind of experienced this when it was coming out. So, because we're about five years out from the release of the uh, Zootopia. What's interesting is, there was a five-year gap between, basically, between Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. They fast-tracked that after it made that much money, because we're just in a time where if a movie, new IP makes a lot of money, you make a sequel. Even right. though that's not really how Disney's operated in its history. Right. So it felt like Zootopia was the next on that list because it's like highest grosser in Disney history. Biggest opening. That's insane when you think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet it didn't. And I kind of wanted to have an opportunity to talk about the film and kind of like try to figure out what happened. <laughs> well, you know... I have I have come to filter all media through this lens of like was this pre-Trump or post-Trump? Yes. I didn't know when we were going to get to this, but it was ultimately where the conversation was going to be. Right. I don't like bringing him into things, but it would sort of be dumb not to acknowledge the way that that presidency like affected the way we thought about everything I thought affected the way that we interacted with and related to everything (laughs) right yes because and I think it's interesting because this came out in March of 2016 well before the election and Moana came out a week after the election right I feel like a part of the reason it gets memory hold is because everyone was kind of just like in a daze and a haze well you know what's interesting is is because it's like that like that year before the actual election itself <laughs> was so steeped in this like heavy angry time right the like it, the yes. the election process itself like before the person was actually elected that is like the hotbed and so that is the lens that we have to like look at this through to be like why did people eat this up and if you look at it through that lens, it kind of makes perfect sense that this would be, like, the ideal candy that people would, like, want to relieve them from the stress of their of, of what was happening. Yes. I will say, for me, and, like, a lot of media, like, Hamilton, I mentioned Hamilton in the same context as this movie. Mm-hmm. They are pieces of media that r- only make sense in an alternate universe where Hillary Clinton wins the presidency. Because they are things about, like, hey, the situation is a bit fraught right now, and people are at each other's throats, and there's a lot of tension going around. But at the end of the day, we're all humans, and we'll come together, or animals, and we'll come together, and we'll make things work, and we'll overcome our differences, and overcome our fears, and overcome our, like, disagreements, and it'll all work out. And then we emphatically learned, no, that's not how it works, actually, there's very little stopping all of this from coming crashing down around us. Mm-hmm. And and I think it hurts this movie in particular because it can't be overstated enough. This was the last time you could possibly get away with a sing-songy character with a, with a smile in her heart really wanting to be a cop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have more questions and answers for this film. Should we talk about the actual film a little bit? Like, because we'll we'll inevitably talk more about like its politics, for lack of a better word. I don't think this film really has politics. You're always better than at at giving like synopses than I am. So by all means, explain to our viewers what 
Zootopia is. Okay, so the basic pitch for Zootopia is a world where there are no humans and animals evolved to make cities for animals. Our main character, Judy Hopps, is a little rabbit from the country um, who really wants to become a police officer in the titular Zootopia, which is like the ultimate example of like the big city. It's this crazy yeah. sort of mismatched world where they basically designed a city where any animal can live. So there's a big old desert area. There's big old like rainforest area with artificial water. There's like giant ice things pr- making a tundra. There's a little mouse town where everything's tiny. Um, and she gets there and realizes city life is a little more complicated than she would think. And and ev- somehow gets pulled into a series of missing mammal cases. For you see, there is a very big distinction in this universe that underlines animals were animals at one point, like the animals we know them as, where there were predators and prey. And they've only recently evolved past that. And for some reason, all of these predators are going missing. So with the help of a wisecracking talking fox, she's going to crack this case, find the missing animals, and figure out what's going on in the deep underbelly of Zootopia. I think that's a question I have for you, actually. What did you think, like... Take your head out of this. Um, take your head out of the police element. Take your head out of the racial element. <laughs> okay. I know it's kind of hard because that's like what's the left in text yeah. of the thing. But I just mean, as a plot, do you like this story in terms of like, if this were Who Framed Roger Rabbit and we were doing this in the context of Toons versus Humans, would you, like, do you think the mystery's good? To- well, see, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question because it's like, I can tell you, I can tell you what what I do like about it. No part of the plot or story do I like. Interesting, but um, but I'm also I find it extremely difficult to like divorce it from the for from its like political racial message. So yes. that's why I'm like throw the whole thing away. But I will say that it did what Disney does best, which is like create fantastical worlds where there are cool things. I thought that it's a very fun place that I think is a perfect backdrop for any, for, for a story, just not the one that they told. Right. I will say this is a movie that I've described as Disney out Pixar and Pixar. Cause Pixar yeah. is the one who usually gets the rep, rep for having, Oh, we have these intricate worlds with really intricate rules and right. like systems and you realize we thought of everything right and i feel like that captures the best of it where it's like okay easy one sentence pitch a city where all animals coexist built by animals yeah and it's like okay that's a fun hook because normally board. when we imagine like anthropomorphic animals like rocco's modern life it's just a town like it's not <laughs> right. it's not different you know they don't change it to accommodate the fact that they're animals right whereas this they think of that and they don't go out of their way to over-explain how every part works. It's just, like, trust that if an animal came to the city... The infrastructure works. Some construction worker would have built infrastructure for them. Yeah. They would have factored in all of these animals. And that I appreciate. Yes. And it results in, like, oh, we can just focus on having fun vignettes. Like, having this episodic detective mystery. We can just easily be like, oh, we want to have a scene where they're doing a chase sequence. Well, wouldn't it be fun if it was like in a little mouse town? So the yeah. Is they're like tripping over everything? It's right. Like, easy. Or like, oh, we need to go find a jaguar. Uh, wouldn't it be fun if they were in like a rainforest? So it was like rainy and spooky during this act, like 
in yeah. this chase sequence. Or wouldn't it be fun if, like, some animals were naked sometimes, even though they yes. don't look any different to us? Yes, it's like they thought of a fun premise that could exist in the universe, and they're like, that's all we have to do. Just yeah. set up the joke, establish it. And I will say, like, I think something that makes this movie special in terms of, like, its success is, like, the non-musical ones don't tend to do this well. Mm, and yeah. I think this captures, at least in terms of tone and style and personality, like, much like Wreck-It Ralph, it really does a good job of, like, all right, if we're not a musical, if we're not a musical comedy, let's just lean into the comedy. Let's just make it right. really funny. Think of a lot of fun visual gags. Think of a lot of fun, like, punchlines. And I do think it really succeeds on that level. I would agree, yeah. And despite not really liking the story, I would say I do really like our leads. I do like almost all of the characters. I would agree with you, actually, that I think it's really well cast. And um, even though it's like, it's, okay, I say that it's well cast, but there are too many, like, repeat offenders here, so to speak, um, with, like, Bonnie Hunt and Idris Elba, and I feel like people that we've J.K. seen. Simmons. Yeah, in other, not just Disney films, but animated films playing kind of similar roles. Yes, I love me some J.K. Simmons, but mm-hmm. the man can only do one voice, and it's really obvious, and it becomes really distracting. I right. love Idris Elba, but he can do one voice, and it's but really distracting. Yeah. Like, it's not Disney's fault he's become one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Right. But still. Um... But yeah, I really like. Again, I can somehow I can almost get past Judy Hopps really wanting to be a cop and being like, "This is just really likable character." She is like I like her energy, and I also and like Nick. Like I, yes. I think they are a perfect like duo, actually. Right, and and I'm going to talk later about sort of like the production history of this because I think it underlines a lot of interesting thoughts. But like they were always there. What. In, like, the seven or eight radically different versions of this movie, it was always, like, Hoppy Rabbit and Sly Fox, Mm -hmm. like, leaning into the animal-ness of them. Right. And, yeah. And I've never been a big Jason Bateman person. Like, I didn't really get into Arrested Development. But he's Mm -hmm. so good in this. Like, he has, like, a little bit of, like, he almost has, like, a Bill Murray energy where he's just, like, very deadpan and cool. Like It feels very natural, yeah. Although, speaking about the characters, one thing I wanted to talk about, what, how do you feel about, like, animal movies? And by that I mean, like, the, like, animated movies that are all starring animals. Like, do you have an affinity for that? I would need an example of another one outside of this. Like, Disney's Robin Hood, Jungle Book, Ice Age, yeah. Okay. I've never thought about that before. I've never thought about it. I'm kind of building up to a point here. I think that I like it. Like, I, I remember liking Rio. Right. So, I and think I'm I'm in favor of them. <laughs> well, I just... I feel like it's also interesting, because I think another reason why this movie was so big, it's... Like, when did Rio come out? Like, 2012? Yeah. There was a really big gap for us in terms of, like... There was a really big gap for us in terms of, like, animal cartoons. Okay. Like... Because you think about it, like, who are the mascots of all the major animation studios? Like, Disney, a mouse, a, mouse. a duck, a yeah. dog, uh, Warner Brothers, a, du- a bunny, a duck. Um, yeah. And then a Animaniacs. whole uh, Tasmanian tiger. Yeah, yeah. Animaniacs. <laughs> like, like, the bedrock of animation kind of was like, hey, it's wacky, cartoony animals right. doing human stuff. Right. And yet we kind of went away from that for a while. And this sort of sparked a renaissance of it. Interesting. Like, 
because it's like, okay, Disney makes Zootopia. That's huge. And then DreamWorks um, comes out with Bad Guys last year, right. which is like, I mean, that's animals and humans living together, but it's about the animals. Like right, the animals right. Being characters. Or um, Illumination has Sing. That was like right after oh, Zootopia. I forgot about Sing. Sing was freaking huge. It was. It's another one that yeah. kind of quietly exists, but at least they got a sequel. Right. And, yeah, it's interesting to, like... I think that's one of the reasons I want to, like, this movie and the theoretical prospect of a series more, because it right. is, like... There is something very charming about thinking about, like... Not just the goofiness of, haha, that animal's wearing a tie, but thinking right. about, like, how an animal exists in a sort of humanized space... Well, you know, it's interesting, like, I'm now that you bring this up, I'm remembering how many animal-led movies we had growing up, actually, mm-hmm. with, like, Ice Age and, and um, Over the Hedge. Who, who is that that wants us to talk about Over the Hedge? Callum? Yes. Well, because we kept <laughs> hyping up Over the Garden Wall, and then they said it this was counts. a joke, and they're like, you better do this. <laughs> okay. This is, this is our Over the Hedge reference. Um, but there were, like... The Madagascar films, like, yeah. Right. We had a lot of those. And then they did sort of, like, go away in favor of these, like, Hotel Transylvania, like, sort of people-esque-led movies. Yeah, where it's, like, we leaned more into... And a part of that's also, I don't know, because Disney went really back to the well with the princess stuff. Right. Illumination came up with the Minions and never looked back. Oh, God. That's what happened. It was Minions happened. Well, yeah, and it's also, like, CGI really did become, like, why, like, I don't know. It was more about, like, celebrity stunt casting. Right. Even more so than usual. Right. Um, for some reason, now I'm thinking about Zootopia in the context of, like, animals being animals. An example of another movie I really like in this genre is Fantastic Mr. Fox. I don't know if you've seen that. I knew that you were going to bring that up. That's, like, one of your favorite movies. Oh, yeah, easily top 10 to 15. Like, if I ever am successful enough to do that, like, sight and sound top ten movies, I'm going to put it on there, if only to stir shit. Mm, okay. Um, I'm going to be like, I'm making a list of all animated movies, and I'm going to make people very angry at me. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you haven't seen that, right? No, I still haven't, like, gotten around to it. I don't, I don't know why. Do you want to just stop this recording, watch that real quick, and then do a... <laughs> no, I, no, we're saving that. I we understand need to have that as a backup episode. the appeal and respect of it. I, I'm not avoiding it. It just, like, I just hasn't, haven't gotten around to it yet. But... My favorite thing about that movie is it's, like, so much of the humor is a comedy of manners, but then they remind you that they're animals. Like, Mrs. Fox puts uh, breakfast down on the table. Mr. Fox, like, scars it down like a maniac, like... Or, like, him and Badger get in a fight over real estate, and they just start growling at each other and, moving their arms back and forth as Mm -hmm. if they're animals. Then they quietly sit back down, and they're like, okay, so we're buying that house? (laughs) Like, this fills that energy for me, just in a sort of a more wacky American, for lack of a better right. way. There were some good jokes in this film. That that seemed like animal puns, I, I will mm-hmm. acknowledge. Right. And that's the frustrating thing, because you're like, oh, yeah, this is obviously going to get, like, seven sequels, 12 spinoff, because right. there's just so much personality in, like, this world. Right. But then, of course, there's the actual plot. Which is about racial profiling. Yay, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's a big question for me. Is it just that the story does not compel you, or is it because of the subtext is just so overwhelming that you can't even focus on, like, the beats? 
the subtext is so overwhelming that the beats are irrelevant or I don't even know the right word for it, but yeah, the because I can't even call it subtext. <laughs> right, it is text. It's the like, text. Multiple jokes are made out of. The minute you have a joke where a fox character is squishing a sheep's hair and it's acted like this big social faux pas, like that's text. That's yeah, text. for her to be like. I want to complain about that joke in particular, but for her to be like. If, a, if another bunny calls me cute, that's fine. But I would prefer that you not call me that. Yes. I. And that was okay. the moment where I was ready to turn the film off and be like, thank and you, sir, I'm done. like 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm finished here. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not against... I think the idea of making it like a Predators versus Prey movie is fine. But to right. add racial coding to it is... Again, it's a very 2015 thing of like, oh, this is so mature for a kid's film. This is really thoughtful and nuanced. And then like having four plus years where white supremacy is just everywhere all of the time and like it's mainstreamed, you're like, this movie is a fucking abomination. Well, you know, here's like, I think the my bottom line here that is my issue is that like, again, yeah, a, a Prey versus Predator movie, fine. A predator versus prey movie with with a racial subtext, fine. But this film's message inherently is that racism isn't there if you look away. Yes, like, that's, and that's uh, my problem with this film. Yeah, it really does. Like, I think it could have survived a lot if Nick doesn't become a cop at the end, because that underlines your that, idea. Of does life. it for you really? Yes. Like, that's the point that well, ruins it. I mean, it, there's too many problems, but that's the part where I'm like, oh, there's no coming back from this. Like, you can't salvage this. My problem is that, like, we cannot, like, the animal kingdom, the dynamics of the animal kingdom and, like, human racism are n- so far from being, like, a one-to-one comparison. There is no mm. neat or concise way to 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 do that. And, like, this film ends up, like, tripping over itself because there's too many like complex layers and contradictions to having like animals relate to one another in the same way that people relate to each other of other races. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Right. Well, yeah, that like that's exactly the problem and these points have been made before, but like one well, I mean the first thing is like are we probably being a little hard on a kids film? Yes, but you're the one who brought the basketball to the court. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're the one who chose to make the movie about this. Right. And, like, this stuff shapes kids' minds about these things. Exactly. Like, if you're going to tackle race relations in an animated kids' movie, you have to be responsible about it. Like, for, it's, it just, what was jarring to me is, like, going into this film knowing that this is a film about race relations, and then this cop character, Judy... Like, before she starts, her parents, like, essentially setting her up to be racist and admitting that they are openly racist against foxes. <laughs> like, that, for that to be, like, the opener, mm-hmm. how do you redeem that? Or, like, how do we ever root for a character like Judy, especially when, like, they set her up with this, like, fox repellent, and then she ends up taking it with her anyway? Right. And, like... Well, I will say, I mean, that brings me back to how they resolve that. They have right. her parents befriend her fox bully from when she was a kid and being like, we wouldn't have even thought about hiring him if it wasn't for you. And I think... This is so gross. 
Like, and I think what you're underlining is that this movie takes an approach that these, like, problems are about individuals being bad people and manipulating other people and not we have systems in place that convince people that they're superior. Yeah, we have systems in place that convince people that they're superior. There are other systems in place that, like, disenfranchise people and, like, sort of steer them into a life of crime. I mean, that's something else that it gets right. I will say that the one thing, the one message that I think this film actually gets correct is that racial divide benefits the government. Well, yes. That's the only thing that this film gets on the head. Perfect, you did it. I mean, yes, I do think that there's, like, a compelling... I think that's an interesting angle, because, like, I hate the villain of this movie just because, like, her dimension of, like, oh, I'm going to use fear to rile up the people. Like, I don't know, it's just very... Again, it's a very juvenile perspective on these things of, like, again, oh, this is about fear. This is about, oh, one greedy person wants power, and they're going to use fear. When in reality, it's like, no, this person has something wrong, like... A real-life person like that has something wrong in their brain where they've been convinced beyond reason that they are God's chosen child. Mm-hmm. And the fact that anyone else would deign to, like, call themselves equals drives them insane. And then they do horrible things to justify that. Right. I also think it's just very muddled. Because, like, mm-hmm. okay. So, like... Like, if we're trying to do this in the... Like, by the film's logic, prey are, like, quote-unquote white, and predators are, quote-unquote black Mm -hmm. for lack of and that like i'm like if i'm reading this correctly right but then we have mixed metaphors of like the rabbit being like well it's okay if a rabbit calls me cute or they do the bit with the sheep where they're playing with her hair and Mm -hmm. it's like well you're mixing the metaphors here which just makes it more muddled and confusing where i'm not even sure what you're trying to say but also like this doesn't work because like so, so many animals are simultaneously prey and predator so, like, we just can't draw these lines. Yeah, and it's, like, you could do something interesting about that and just establish, like, there are so many complex layers in terms of race and social status and class right. that people navigate to establish, like, there are layers for every race and social group where right. it's, like, what are you willing to do to get slightly higher? But that might be a little much for a children's film, so maybe just don't try to So maybe to don't do it? it and it's like, the other thing that gets me is like, we've got two different racial conversations happening here of, of like certain races being th- more threatening than another, but then like part of the conflict is that nobody thinks that a rabbit can be a cop. And right. like again, they're mixing the... <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is, yeah, you're right, muddled. Like there's there's way too much going on here. You want to talk about race, but you don't, that's the one place where the rules aren't well established. Where it's right. like, you want to talk about race. But then I'm like, do I want you to set rules for that? Because that gets into right. like really iffy, like early fantasy genre stuff where you're like <laughs> racially coding all of like the fantasy creatures. Right. Where like dwarves, you know, there's like anti Semitic elements. There's like, you know, uh, look, J.R.R. Tolkien was ahead of his time, but he did compare the orcs to Mongols, and it's like, yikes, man, okay. come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, um, yeah, and again, it's also just the underlying, it has the same problem the X-Men have, where it's like, okay, your, like, your story about a persecuted class of people doesn't work if those people actually do have superpowers, because right. it's like, Cyclops can slice a building in half with his eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Like, you inadvertently justify the bigots? 
Yeah, pretty much. Where it's like, yeah, I would be a little alarmed if there was a guy who, if his glasses get knocked off, could kill my entire family. Right. <laughs> but, like, again, it's it just doesn't, I don't know, it's, a, it's just a mess. I don't really know any other way to put it. Right, like, even as we're talking about this, I'm, like, getting, like, I almost give up. <laughs> right, there is, like, a futility in trying to parse it out because there's just so many simultaneously so many different angles you approach it from right. and so many angles they present to you there's almost no rhyme or reason to sussing it out it's like you know even carter as we're talking about this like i don't even know what our point is anymore <laughs> like you i mean know, I, you know what i want to kind say of have a point is you know my point like as i said before it's like what what really stood out to me is this one moment where shakira's character the gazelle, whatever her freaking yes. name is, she gets, like, interviewed after sort of, like, the big climactic, like, conflict of the film. Yes, where Judy Hopps just spouts Which, racial generalizations. But it's like, okay, hold the phone. Like, let me go back to that point about, yeah, when Judy, when Judy gets up and she's, like, she states the facts of the... Of, of, of what we just established here. It's like, okay, this character is following the rules that this film has established, and now this film is calling her wrong for that. Like, do you see the problem there of them sort of, like, doubling back on their own, on every, on all of the rules that they established by saying, like, ooh, she wasn't supposed to say this thing that we kind of forced her to? Right. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Like, and a part of it is like, oh, well, she was getting manipulated by the, you know, the villain of the movie who was I suggesting guess. things right. and give, giving her coded language to use. But at the right. same time, it's like... But I'm like, what did she do wrong? Maybe there's something interesting there about, like, the media immediately spinning it to be like, oh, you need to be afraid of these people. But Got it. Right. Yeah. Again, maybe there's that's not enough there. Right. You... If you wanted to do something about... I, I'm kind of losing my mind here. I did not... <laughs> I was worried we wouldn't have enough to talk about this episode, but at least we're, like, getting fired right. up. Right. Like, you, if you were gonna make a story about race via animals, you gotta pick one thing. There's one element of this, and you just gotta focus in. You can't do 12 different kinds of jokes j- cross, right. crisscrossing over all the different predator preys. Right. And, 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 and I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't know. It's too, it's way too much because it's like it you're right this is it just confused me to the point where when that point when that moment happens in the film I was like what it took me a minute to like understand what what she did wrong mm-hmm. in that instance like that's how muddled everything is but so fast forward to my point about the gazelle they're interviewing her and she says she says something that always grinds my gears in real life when it's time for like us to like I, I jokingly call it Black Lives Matter season when when it's, like, time for us to all pretend that we, like, care about Black Lives Matter and we only do it, like, Everyone once a year. Everyone changes their social media profile picture. Yes, things like that. Um, <laughs> but when people, inevitably, some idiot always says something to the effect of, like, this is not the America I know. <laughs> yeah. Again, this movie only makes sense in, tw- like... For the 2016 election and they, this character says that like this is not the, this is not my Zootopia and I'm like yes it is were you not watching the movie because I was watching I, the movie and this is yeah, absolutely like, yeah that part 
I hate I hate using this term because internet weirdos use it, but it made me cringe. I just yeah. straight cringed. Yeah, it was. I again, it's a scene that only makes sense before the twenty sixteen election, where we could frame all of this as like, oh, these bad people in Congress, oh, these individual bad people, and it's like, no. And after twenty sixteen, it's like, no, the system has been created and perpetuated yeah. and hijacked in a lot of ways to make this happen. Right. You know getting rid of the orange guy who tweets isn't going to magically solve all of our problems. Right. It just lets us pretend they aren't problems. Exactly, yeah. And so, but that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, I get what this film wants to say, maybe. Maybe it didn't want to say this, but what it is saying is that if there's racism, just look away. And you can have the kind of Zootopia that you imagine. Right. And... As we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about also, like, and all the stereotypes about animal. as much as I love all of the jokes about animals, the fact that they play on all of the animal stereotypes... Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. Okay. Well, are you familiar at all with the backstory of this? Like, I know normally these episodes are, like, the person who's seen it asking questions, but, like, I feel like you have made your opinions and feelings about this pretty damn clear. Right. Do you know any of the backstory for this movie? Nope. Okay. So, um, well, one, I will say there is one fun visual thing as, like, a Disney nerd. So when the guy's selling bootleg DVDs, there's, like, a bit where the weasel has, like, all of the bootleg DVDs that are all Disney movies. Like, there's a Moana one, there's oh. a Hero 6 one, there's a Frozen one. And there's one called Giraffe Tick, which is a play on Gigantic. Do you remember Gigantic? Vaguely. That was a movie that was going to come out. It was supposed to be their next, like, post-Frozen fairy tale mm. about Jack and the Giant Beanstalk. Um, it sounded kind of cool. Like, the gimmick was he gets captured by, like, a young girl giant who treats him as, like, a toy. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, a friendship. It got canceled because they're like, we just couldn't figure out the story. Um, and I, I just think it's fun that it kind of still gets to exist in Utopia Universe as, like, another right. Disney film. But anyway, so... Um, Byron Howard um, was apparently who he's directed a bunch of Disney stuff now. He's kind of been like quietly a go-to guy for Disney. Uh, he directed Tangled, Zootopia, and Encanto, and Bolt. But again, let's not hold that against him. Right. Um, so he apparently pitched a bunch of ideas, most of them involving like sort of wacky animal characters. And interestingly enough. Zootopia, like, this story about, like, a cop and race relations wasn't one of them. It started out as, oh, uh, animal, world of animals, uh, it's a spy guy story. And then they got to what was the main idea, and this is the idea they actually really developed, because there's a lot of, like, animatics of it. The main character was Nick. And the idea in this version of Zootopia is predators were allowed to live in Zootopia, but they had to have little shock collars. Like, the idea is, oh. like, if they get too fired up or if, like, a pre- prey gets antsy, they, the predator will get zapped. And Nick, being a con man, comes up with this idea of creating, like, a secret underground place where you can take your collar off and just kind of cut loose for a bit. Like, be yourself. Mm. And the idea was Judy comes in sort of as antagonistic force, but ultimately siding with Nick. Like, there was always the idea, again, the Nick-Hop's relationship was always there, but it kind of had a lot of different shapes and different forms. And like I said, they went really far with this idea before they decided to scrap it and go in the Judy Hop's being the main character Mm -hmm. direction. 
And a part of me, again, unfortunately this still plays on like racial tropes, but at the same time, I think it's a clearer metaphor, at least in terms of like, you're not muddling it. You're not making a cop the main character, which really is the part yeah. that just completely upends all of this. But pointedly, there was a lot of different versions of this before they got to cop detective movie. I see. And, and I think it is really amazing that, like, if they had picked any of those other ideas, I feel like we would have had a Zootopia sequel by now. Hmm. Because, again, people like this world. Right. It made a lot of money, and it was successful. Um, I would argue that it is very similar to Crash, which was a shocking Oscar win at the time. Uh, Crash was a movie that also was a muddled thing about race relations that was more like, hey, you know, if these individual bad people change their ways, mm-hmm. maybe we can work this out all right. Um, <laughs> and that's the kind of movie the Academy really likes to reward. Right. And I guess, like, one of the, again, the reason why I wanted to do this episode was because the shorts came out, and it was like, oh, wow, we're finally back in Zootopia. And you didn't end up watching the shorts. You said you just didn't. Yeah, I tried to watch the first episode and I got like a few minutes in and quit. Yeah, they're fine. They're fun. They're cute. They're whatever. There's one with the weasel that's a musical that I actually think is kind of silly and fun. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very interesting that despite the plot of Zootopia being the problem with Zootopia, the thing that's holding it back is being a franchise. All of the shorts connect to the plot of Zootopia. And I mean, literally, it is a Lion King one and a half thing right. where the yeah. plots are intersecting. The first one is, oh, no, one of the baby bunnies is on the same train as Judy is on the way to Zootopia. Her parents got to go rescue her. Um, there's one that's a parody of Real Housewives that's about the mob boss's daughter. And, like, there's a, <laughs> you recreate the scene where she almost gets crushed by a Can donut. I just say the mob boss is actually my favorite part of the movie? Yes. <laughs> Again, that's what's frustrating about this because, like... Again, I love all of the animal jokes, and right. I love all of, like, the big tropey stuff. Like, I love all of the Godfather references. Right. I love this joke that this little, like, possumy mouse thing. It's like a mole, yeah. Yeah, like a little mole gets to, one, a mole talking with an Italian accent is right. very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And two, the fact that he runs this in, like, all of his goons yeah. are giant polar bears. So there's just the joke that all of these polar bears awkwardly have to sit around during business meetings. Yeah. As the mice are doing little things. Right. Like, the wedding cake at the mouse wedding is small, so the polar bear has to cut the tiniest slice. <laughs> There's a bit where, like, in the Real Housewives episode, where two of the mice are fighting, and the polar bears just kind of look at each other like, what? And you realize, like, oh, yeah, they're just looking over basically a diorama, and then they all <laughs> just pull the two away. Like, I love that shit. This is my, like, oh my again, gosh. if this is what non-princess musical Disney is, then right. I'm all in, because I love wacky, goofy, like, like sort of old-school shtick. Right. But it's so interesting that setting Zoot- making the story of Zootopia a story about a cop who reaffirms her copness by the end of the movie right. is such a catastrophic like mistake that they almost can't move past it. Right. Anything that exists in Zootopia just has to refer to the first Zootopia movie. And maybe there's a strategy where it's like, well, if we focus on the parts that aren't about the cops, maybe we can overcome this. Like, if we just focus on all the wanky animal antics that were happening in the background. But you're right that, like, making Nick a cop, yeah, solidifies this, like, cop-centric story. And in terms of race relations, there is no sympathetic cop. (laughs) Right? 
Um, well, and that's like even now, it's even harder to make more Zootopia right. stuff because, like, you know, after the twenty twenty election, the discourse became like, why have we made an entire genre right. of like cops? Great, awesome. They're heroes. Cops good. They're the they're the like they're the support beam that's keeping all of civilization from collapsing right. around us. Mm-hmm. To the point where multiple actors were like, yeah, I'm giving up my residuals from the show I was on because I don't feel comfortable. About <laughs> right. <this anymore." laughs> yeah. The point where multiple cop shows have the cops becoming private investigators. Ah, yeah. And I'm just like, it's, you know, it's amazing that there are probably like seven alternate realities where they did any other plot set in this universe and it becomes Disney's just cash cow. Right. It becomes like their side, you know, it's frozen in this. That they're like two... Well, yeah. we need to get the piggy bank full again. Right. We'll we'll ring that bell again. I may now that we've talked it out, I may be willing to go back and like retry the Zootopia Plus episodes because the one that you just described sounds hilarious to me. But the first one I will say they are actually very cute. Yeah. Like what's your Okay, let's let's end on like a light note. What's name like one of your favorite jokes from Zootopia? Like a moment that like got you. For me, mine is the one where, like, after Judy kind of, like, she quits being a cop and goes back to, like, her town. And then she's convinced to go back into her town. As she's leaving, there's, like, a sign that says, like, the town that they live in. And then there's a population number underneath that's just, like, continuously turning. Like, the population is just, like, growing every second. There's another, like, rabbit being born. classic rabbit joke. Um, I love that. (laughs) Man, see that's the frustrating thing. I love I any joke I love any joke that's about animals. Yeah. I'm also funny, and that's the frustrating thing that's about good. this movie. Um, I really love the bit at the nudist colony where the yak is just like, "All right, let's talk to his yoga instructor." He had, you know, <laughs> yeah. she's an elephant; she remembers everything. Yeah. And then he just quietly rattles off every, like, detail, every detail and the license plate need. number and everything. Something about that verbal joke of like the dipshit just knows every was right. paying attention the whole time just gets me every time. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> either that or just like I love that the hamsters go through little colorful tubes. Like all of their offices that have stuff, little tubes. See that that stuff that reminds me of like Wreck It Ralph. I love like themed infrastructure. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah, I like the Right, and that's like, again, that's a frustrating, this is why this episode is pissing me off, because right. I'm like, I want to defend <laughs> this thing, because I love, like, the little create, like, that's why Disney's Disney, because they think of little creative flourishes like that. Right. Or, like, yeah, in Wreck-It Ralph, where it's, like, all of the video games have their own, like, rules and yeah. styles and vibes, mm-hmm. and it's just so annoying, where, <laughs> because Wreck-It Ralph isn't about cops, so I'm like, I'm right. find another one. Exactly. I'm fine being in Wreck-It Ralph universe. What other deals can you make? Can you get Mario in one of these finally? Like, let's go. Right, right. Although I guess, well, I was about to say, Mario never really, no, Mario did have an arcade game at some point, and Sonic doesn't. Hmm. I don't know. But that's, like, a completely different, someday we'll do Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I mean, I'll say, I think the shorts are cute. I think, in the best case scenario, they kind of present, hey, Zootopia, you like this world, right? And there are parts of it that aren't trapped by unfortunate writing. Right, yeah. Until we see that version of reality, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. Have a magical day. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter, at Disney Desk, for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on Earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. 
For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.